the light. That tree symbolized Jesus Christ. Why do we know it symbolized Jesus Christ? Because we still eat of the fruit of a tree to symbolize a person. Every time we take the Holy Communion, you take of the fruit of a tree, fruit of the tree taken, to symbolize taking a person. So it's the great historic symbols of the ages. As a tree is a symbol, in this sense, uh, uh, helps, helps my, my act of faith. By taking the fruit of a tree, it's helping us to, to recognize we're taking the person in us. So, uh, what those two trees were, they meant two gods. And they meant that humanity is created to be God-possessed. Which God? And the wrong God got them. And so, the, the whole humanity is possessed in its, our fallen conditions by the wrong spirit. It's the spirit of self-centeredness. That's what the Bible says. Paul, for instance, says this, of us in our unredeemed condition. We, in, in time past, he says in Ephesians 2, speaking, of, speaking of, of, him, of ourselves involved in the world before we were redeemed. In time past, he said, when we walked according to the course of this world, in the unredeemed days, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. There he is. That's this, this, this spirit of self says, Satan's quite easy to see. He hasn't got horns or tails. He isn't necessarily a murderer or adulterer. He's just a respect, respectful, uh, egotistic businessman, that's all. <laughs> Sorry, and, and worse still, an, an, an egotistic professional missionary, worse still. <laughs> That's all. So he's a very polite gentleman. If he was in England, he'd wear top hat and tails. Very nice. So you see, we've got these smeared ideas of this Satan. No, no, he's just paid us But I'm saying the Bible says he's a person. And you'll see the importance, you may not see the importance of that now. I don't think we'll probably get there today, we'll probably tomorrow. The reason for it. But uh, what I'm saying is this, the Bible makes that plain. Listen to that, I said to you that. Uh, listen to this, uh, speaking of the unbelieving people. Paul says this in Second Corinthians. Of the unbelieving people in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds in them. So he says, the God of this world, why is Satan called a God? A God is, a, God is an originator. A God is an originator. He's only a created God, he's only God's agent. We need to go further later on to explain it a little further still. Um, being part of God, he's God's agent. But he's called a God because he's he the originator. He originates a false dimension. He produced a, a false kingdom out of the fire root which never should have been known. Uh, listen to this again. John says this, very clear. John is the one who gets us down to the bottom always. He says this, uh, speaking of the believers, greater is he that is in you. Now we know that's the spirit of God. Than he that is in the world. Read that. 1 John 4.4. 4. Not it. Greater is he that is in you, the spirit of God. Then he that is in the world, the spirit of Satan. And then he actually gives them that, their names. Two verses later on, 1 John 6, 6, he says this, Hereby know we the Spirit, remember Spirit's a person, the Spirit, the God of truth, and the Spirit, the God of error. The God of truth, the God of error. Truth is, 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 is the, the principles of self-giving. Error is the principles of self-love. So, here we've come out uh, with a whole humanity spontaneously captured. Now, thank God, it's a significant difference. We're captives, not quite sons. Strange thing about it makes that difference. Why? You see, if we were sons of the devil, in, a, uh, in an adult sense, we should be out, out of reach. The devil, according to the Bible, is a person who's, to, who's a total pervert. His, the, the, the good for him has become the evil, and the evil of him has become a good. He's completely the other way around. To him, everything which is self-interested, self-magnifying, self-seeking, self-gratifying is good, no matter what happens to you about it. 
anything which is self-giving, self-sacrificing is ridiculous and, 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 and evil. He's a total pervert. Now we are not total perverts, why? Because the sin of Satan was a sin from the center of the will. The Bible reveals Satan in those two chapters, Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel, as from the very center of being, out with you God, I'm going to be my own God, finish with you, Woo. He sought to be his own God. It was the central purpose of the will. Adam and Eve were tricked. They, their wills were involved, but not in a total sense. Adam and Eve hoped God wasn't looking, that's all. <laughs> Satan didn't care whether God was looking or not. That's the difference. So, uh, man wasn't defiant like Satan was. That's why immediately, in the story of the four, God comes to them and talks to them. Thank God he can still talk to us. That's why we don't call good evil unless we're perverted. We still know good to be good. And there's a cry in humanity, we ought to love each other. Uh, we ought to be honest. We ought to be decent. We ought to be pure. Thank God there's that. Thank God there's that. Thank God every philosophy has, has the ideal. And every, every politi political party. They all, they all think they get there by their own bootstraps. I remember in, in England, uh, about 25 years ago, I was staying with the, he was a, he was the Lord, Lord Mayor of Bristol, one of our cities there. He ran the, the early, early Labour Party men. Good man. Uh, we, the, the, the founder of the Labour Party in England was the earliest Christian, Keir Hardy, in the old days. Uh, this was one of his men. He told me how, this is the New Testament Party, he said, brother. We're, we're, going to, we're going to live and have, it, have in, in a parliamentary uh, circles in England uh, a New Testament party. Hasn't named New Testament too well. <laughs> you can't do it! Self-loving self can't be New Testament, but that uh, Sermon on the Mount. Can't do it! So every philosophy maintains that, but thank God it does. At least it does mean we know what we ought to be. That's, uh, that's why God can get at us. God can't get at the devil. To him he's fixed. He laughs it out. To him, evil is good. Good is evil. Not with us, thank God. We can get there, but that's not the average. So man is savable. But he's, he's naturally motivated without even knowing it. Uh, by this, this uh, speed of self-centeredness. That's why I did say also, um, it doesn't make quite now, that when we get into the redeemed life in a total sense, when, we, when we've understood, when we've pleased with the becoming, and we found what, this, what it is to be in the unity life and walking in, you kind of forget God. You, you just aren't so conscious of you're just living and there's God there. That's the fun of life. Just the same as in the unredeemed condition, you live there and don't recognize the devil's motivation at all. You think it's your nice, so nasty self, as the case may be. Of course, your neighbor's always got a devil if he's a bit nasty, but you never have. Take that for granted. So there we are. Now you'll be very kind in giving me time, I've still got a little time. I don't see too many nodding heads, so we'll continue for a little longer. Um, we're, because I've got some distance to pursue, and three more sessions after this. Um, now we've got to turn and say, now we've got it. Uh, we are a humanity who has stolen property. We are humanity who has stolen property. All the magnificent percentage of humanity, all the amazing developments of humanity are geared to self-centeredness instead of self-giving. Uh, we, we can't be too thankful for every form of development of humanity if it was geared only, you for me, I for you. <laughs> this was the basis. But of course it's geared the other way around. Uh, so our best way is, I'll give you a little as long as I've got, got my plenty. We took before. 
So they've got this distorted world. And the whole humanity is caught up by Don't make a mistake. Uh, often you meet people who say, well, so-and-so is um, awfully kind and nice. Uh, I'm puzzled. So-and-so is not a Christian, perhaps an atheist. Awfully kind and nice. Uh, I can't make it out. You can't judge other people. See, there's no limit. Will everybody love other people's kids as much as their own? Not many. And all the way through. No, you see, God's unconditional. Uh, there are no favourites with, with, with God, no favourites with us from with God. It's different. I won't touch on it, but... Um, it, it, I'm presenting to you this, this fact. If I'm apart from a union with God, I cannot be anything but self-centred. Because that's what it is. And humanity is a breakaway. We've not really broken away. We're still part of God's being. There's only one being. But the tremendousness, tremendousness of free will is all about the being of God. You remember Paul said this. Get that clear. Paul said the whole world is in the being of God. Not the, not the redeemed, the unredeemed too. You read his great Athenian speech in Acts 17, where he was inspired by this, this strange Greek who didn't worship Zeus, or, or Minerva, or one of our, or Thene, or one of those. He worshipped an unknown God, beautiful touch. He found an altar to an unknown God. He meets his sort of death man's after something. Socrates is one of those. Socrates knew a thing. I know he shake hands with him in heaven one of these days. Uh, if, you don't, if you don't accept him, I will. Um, but uh, uh, he's a great man. Um, uh, uh, Paul saw something. Always oh, says, that's not one of these ridiculous old idols. This unknown. Come on, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. He says, God's made of one blood all nations for to dwell upon the earth, uh, and he is not far from every one of us, he says, I'm quoting rightly, uh, for in him we live and move and have our being, as also says one of your poets. He picked up a Greek poet, I think it was Sappho, and quoted him, or her in that case, um, uh, in, in the thing. So he put the whole humanity in the being of God. Uh, our being is in God. There's only one being. There's only one person. But do you see the tremendousness of freedom? Do you see the, both the, the thrilling potential and the tremendous responsibility of freedom? As a free person, your potential is unlimited, but it's, it's, it's based on the responsibility of, of, of the choice which is final. And in my free choice, I can say, out with you, God. I'm not the least interested in being told I'm part of you. I'm myself, now I run myself for myself. And this being, I don't care, it was ridiculous term, is made of God. I'm not interested. I'm a human being, I'm going to live for my humanity. That's how far we can go. So you see, we, we can be, we are everywhere else who are being God. For that reason, thank God we have those intimations. You know, look back at our own life, back life, there's some little touches here and there, little intimations coming up before we ever redeemed at all. I wish we were conscious of God. Exactly, God's there. God's there. And a certain amount of His influences are upon us. But uh, in our freedom, while we remain bound to the chariot with the Satan, we're there, we're that, that's all. We're, we're, the, the, uh, the basis of our being is self-centeredness. And we're, we're basically those who uh, re, 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 ignore the fact that, that our being is God's. We need redemption. And so we come up to our situation, yes? Thank you. Um, it'll come in a little later. Uh, it comes in for the very reason guilt means a consciousness of right or you wouldn't be guilty. Thank God. Sin means a consciousness of right or you wouldn't be sinful. That's the difference between sin and just doing wrong. Sin means 
I, I shouldn't be a sinner. That means way down in my roots. There's another thing I should be. Thank God for that. And the guilt comes as we go along just because, thank God we got, I'm going to take it up a little later on. But thank God for our guilt because that makes us recognize we are wrong. We're all going to get there. You will never get right until you find you're wrong. No, no. You never get up until you've fallen on your face. And I'll show you later on how you have to, have to, how you have to fall on your face twice in this life to get, get any help in your bones. Sorry for you. <laughs> Not only once. Uh, we'll get on that a little later on. Thank you, it's the good things. Uh, now, uh, I, I'm seeking to put a gulf. Now, the danger of all philosophy is to mediate the way without a gulf. You watch it. You take any philosophy, and indeed, I would have to say, most religious, I've worked, of course, as a missionary in religions. By and yet, I mean, you find a way by which somehow the self can grow up into its ultimate. You cannot. You cannot. The self can't grow up into its ultimate. Uh, 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 a self uh, comes to the place and is ultimate, it's, found it's not what it should be. Uh, it comes to the place where there's a gap it can't bridge. Uh, it, it, can't, it can't become part of a self-giving God because it's a self-loving self. Uh, unless that gulf is filled, it can't get there. There's a gulf, man cannot pass over your guilt, as you say. Recognition of separation, recognition of lawlessness, not even wanting to be really, basically wanting myself. And there's a gulf, don't, don't fool yourself, this is the gospel. This is Christianity. This is why there's been this, 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 the mysterious symbols all through history, the blood sacrifices. Uh, somebody is sacrificing on, in our place. Don't fool with the Bible. Don't fool with, don't fool with the basic truths. There's a thin red line right through the Bible. We don't like the word blood often. The reason we don't, of course, it's a, a, a word like that can become a kind of cliche by itself. I admit that. But the word means life. The blood's the life. Blood means that person's poured his life out. Um, as uh, we heard, uh, um, uh, that was having Brother Glenn uh, yesterday about blood and water coming out. Um, it's right there. Because the gulf has to be bridged. Now then, this is where we find God. And this is why, where we ultimately find ourselves. Uh, God is love. What's love mean? Love is a remarkable word. I remarked it before. Love means, uh, love means you exist for need. Love exists for need. If you are love, you exist for need. Um, I think Louise mentioned the word for a moment in us talk this morning, I picked up before now, when she spoke about debtor. I for a long time been struck by that queer word. It comes particularly in respect with the Apostle Paul going out to be a missionary in Romans 1. He says, I'm a debtor to the Jew and the Greek and the barbarian and the wise and the unwise. I kept on saying, why debtor? A debtor is a most unpleasant word. A debtor is an obligation. A debtor is owned by a creditor. We spend our lives avoiding that one. Um, uh, trying to look the other way or something. So um, the debtor is uh, captured by his creator. Now, Paul could well say, it's my privilege to go, and because I love God, I'll go to them, and then perhaps a little touch of condescension. No, he said, I've got to go. I'm, I, uh, I'm, I'm owned by my creator. Why? Because need is a creditor which owns love. Uh, wherever there's need, it has a claim on love. Uh, love belongs to need. Marvellous word. God belongs to need. That's why God had to save us. Sometimes you hear preachers say, oh, they can't say, no, no, no can't Poor old God had to do it. <laughs> because love has to meet need. That's how you love your enemy. Why do you love your enemy? 
Because officially speaking, it isn't always so in human life, officially speaking in the Bible, an enemy is a person who's wrongfully wronged you. Now, of course, we're rather clever sometimes, and we hurt other people, then they hurt us back, and we say they're our enemies. <laughs> we're the ones who are wrong. I don't mean that kind of enemy. I mean the person who has wrongfully insulted you, wrongfully wronged you, and as far as you know, it's in your fault. They're on his side. And you know this, the one who's hurt isn't you, is he. The hurt has hurt. Because a person who deliberately does a wrong thing is murdering his own spirit. He's the hurt one. You're only hurt insofar as you take it as hurt. Now that's how you love your enemy. How do you love your enemy? Because your enemy is in desperate need. And you look through what he's done to you and say, oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a, a symptom of a real need. Now then, because you're occupied with his need, love's occupied with the need, you bypass the speck on your face. You say, how somehow can God show you, you can reveal something of love by which he'll catch the, the secret of life is love, not, 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 uh, not uh, hitting people. That's the other cheek. The other cheek isn't the weakest thing on earth, it's the strongest thing on earth. Why? Because the other cheek means, um, uh, most of us, if we're struck on one cheek, we think it's strong to strike back. Um, well, we Christians would like to do that, but don't. So we usually say, please God, do it for us. That's the other way around. <laughs> um, and um, uh, if, we, if we can't God get God to, to take vengeance for us, what is this? And I say, what's the other cheek? It means this, although I'm hit and hurt, and I'm meant to be hurt, I'm a human, I'm meant to be hurt, and I am hurt. I say, no, this isn't the real point. I, I'm an expression of the eternal love. Now, that person's hurt, who's hurting me. God, show me some way, though I am hurt, how some way I could, don't matter about this, uh, meet him. In doing so, how they get that? But that's not the point, that's the other cheek. That's a victory. That's mighty power, that's the power of the love of God coming through. Like, meekness isn't weakness. This is not going your way, but going God's way, and God's way is something that can include firmness, too. Uh, there was other way around. Now, um, uh, so, uh, I, that, that, uh, so I was saying, do we see the point? Uh, uh, often, preachers of the Bible need to see this. They give the idea of an angry, judging God. Oh, no, no, no. God isn't up there angry uh, and hurt and with a big stick because we insult him and break his laws and hate him and everything else. No, no. He's hurt with our hurt. Because he's love. He says, oh, those poor fools, they might have hell inside them. How do they get the hell out of them? Well, remember that to me. He's not feeling, feeling his hurt. He's thinking of our health. That's love. See the point? Someone there to go. Very nicely said to me, what about jealousy? Why is God jealous? God isn't jealous for his own self. God hasn't got a self protecting himself. God's only love. God's jealous, why? Because he's jealous you shouldn't be caught up with the wrong one. He's jealous you shouldn't be caught up with and, and live your life in lust of the world or something which is, which is damning you. He's jealous for you, he wants you. He's jealous for you being sold out to the wrong thing. Not jealous for himself, jealous to rescue you. This is the beauty of God. And this is Jesus. So you see, love, he had to come. Poor God, he had to come. We're in a mess. Love, love belongs to messes. <laughs> well, my time's up, mess and no mess. <laughs> so we have, we have to go on, but Lord bless you.